I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And welcome to Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season one, episode 12 of The Vampire Diaries. Moving right along. I know. I can't believe we're already on episode 12. And it's called Unpleasantville. You know why. Do you not? What is Pleasantville about? (laughs) (laughs) I guess not. Well, because it's unpleasant in many ways. There's a movie called Pleasantville. I know that. Is that where the Manic Pixie Dream Girl originated? No, what's that one? What's the one with Natalie Portman? Elizabethtown? I think that's what I'm thinking. That has Kirsten Dunst. I don't know what movie, what kind of character does she play in it? A Man of Fixie Dream Girl. Okay, I guess I should have known that. Oh, it was coined after Elizabethtown, but it, it was Kirsten Dunst in Elizabethtown. She was the first Man of Fixie Dream Girl. I think you're thinking of, um. it's not called Mountain State. Garden State? Garden State. All this to say, I don't know what Pleasantville is about. Pleasantville is a it's a Reese Witherspoon movie where they go into like a 50s like movie. Then it does make sense. It's a play on Pleasantville, but obviously things aren't going well. So it's Unpleasantville. So it is appropriately named. I mean, it's still played for me because I was like, it's unpleasant. I knew there was a movie called Pleasantville, but I didn't know what it was about. It's basically a period film for like the 50s. So you get it now. I thought they just thought the name was cute. Like, I didn't think there was an actual connection to the movie. But yeah, I think they also just thought the name was cute. Yeah, I think that was more of the goal. As always, I'm going to read the Vampire Diaries wiki synopsis of Unpleasantville. So here we go. As Stefan and Damon try to figure out the identity of the new vampire in town, Stefan gives Elena jewelry filled with vervain to protect her family and friends. Hurting for money, Matt takes a job at the Mystic Grill. That's mean. I mean, he is, but where former high school football star Ben works as a bartender. Ben comes to Bonnie's aid when he notices Damon is bothering her. Damon and Stefan accompany Elena to a school dance with a 1950s theme where Alaric introduces himself to Damon. They miss a lot in that synopsis. They spend a big chunk on the first half of the episode. Oh, that was the end of the synopsis? That was That's the end of the oh. synopsis. <laughs> So let's dive right into the episode. So we open with Stefan and Elena sitting, I think, in Stefan's room. It's hard to tell. I didn't really pay attention. They're in a bed, but they're just chatting. And Elena's like, hey, who was that guy in the road? And Stefan's like, I don't know. Which I'm like, look, if Damon didn't know who he was, Stefan certainly does not. (laughs) And Elena's like, "Okay, well, all I remember about him was that he was in a hoodie and black boots. I never saw his face. And then Stefan's like, oh, well, you know, just to be safe, now that we know there's a vampire in town, I made a bunch of vervain jewelry for all your friends and family. So he gives her a bunch of bundles of vervain jewelry. He's like, you can ingest it. You can wear it. Either way, you can't be compelled by a vampire. So obviously jewelry is more efficient because it doesn't leave your system. Stefan is now helping Elena take precautions now that there's a new vampire in town. He seems to see that as a major threat, and I think he's correct in that. You have to wonder why he wasn't giving her vervain for her friends and family until now when he was like scared of Damon. Yeah, I was going to say, why didn't he give it to her for Caroline a while ago? But like he didn't know about it until like kind of at the end of Caroline and Damon's little fling, I guess. Yeah, I guess he could only because when he gave it to Elena, she didn't know it was vervain. He just gave her That's a necklace. True. So I guess it would have been weird if he was like, oh, and I got your brother a bracelet. I got your brother and all of your friends jewelry, too. And she'd be like, oh, be like that's weird. We like have been on one day. I guess that's a good point. Yeah, okay. Sorry, Stefan. You're right. You did it right. So then we cut over to the Gilbert house. Jeremy answers the door and there's a pizza delivery guy. They're playing creepy music. 
even though it's a pretty normal interaction? They don't at first because, you know, he's like, oh, it's going to be like this amount of money, you know? And then Jeremy's like, oh, Elena, I need the money. Like, oh, come in. You can just put it on the table. Like they already thrown off the wall inviting in. And then as soon as he lifts his little foot, the music shifts. Well, we see that he's wearing black boots, which Elena said that the guy in the road was wearing boots. So I think that's where we're supposed to make the connection. And he's got a hoodie on. I just figured the music was enough. Yes. So we don't have any like official confirmation, but they're playing creepy music in an otherwise normal interaction. So we're suspicious of him. Elena's like, here's the money. And he's like, thank you. And she like smiles at him, but the creepy music's playing. So obviously the music turned out to be a a true harbinger in this case. Elena's like, oh, here's your money. Have a good night. And he's like, yeah, you too. And there's creepy music. And it's it's like, like, and I'm like, it's a pretty normal interaction. (laughs) Although, I mean, to be fair, this guy got kind of lucky because it's pretty rare that a pizza guy gets invited in. Maybe he had a couple different options planned. And this was his first one. He's like, I can't believe pizza guy worked. I bet he like if they had invited him, he could have been like, oh, can I like go to the bathroom or something? I bet he had a backup. Yeah, a contingency plan. And then he was just like, oh, I just really didn't need to do anything here. It all worked out for Noah at first. I'm trying to think of good ways to sneak an inviting in if you're not like friends with someone. If you're not friends with someone, uh, what would I do? Well, it's probably easier if you're a girl, honestly. I'd be like, oh, my car broke down. Can I use your phone? Yeah, the phone thing is harder. Now that there's cell phones. There's one criminal minds where they like bring up a dead cat and they're like, is this your dead cat? And then they're like, oh, can we get a garbage bag? Imagine if a vampire just killed a cat and then came up and said, is this your dead cat? I'd be like, no. And, they'd be, and he'd be like, can I come in and get a garbage bag? I'd be like, no, you cannot. <laughs> yeah, that's what's crazy about the episode. Like, can we come in and get a garbage bag? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. I'd be like, uh, no, goodbye. I'd be like, no, why'd you pick it up? I'd walk up with a cherry nail catalog and be like, can I come in? Do you want to see some wrapping paper samples? I would come in um, as like a milkman, like dressed very old timey. And they'd be like, milkmans exist? And be like, yeah, I can tell you all about the history of milkmans. And then I'd come in and kill him. And you think they would invite you in if you were dressed as a milkman? You think that would work? Well, I'd look really cute. I'd come in selling jewelry or like Mary Kay. Oh, that's a good idea. I think they'd call me the Mary Kay killer. I would be in a Girl Scout uniform, but like a sexy Girl Scout uniform. None of your plans seem like they'll work. Well, if I were a vampire, I wouldn't have plans that hinged on being invited in. I would rather just leave people in the woods. Well, here's a question. Can you compel someone to invite you in? Yeah. It wouldn't have worked in this case, obviously, but I was just curious because that seems like an easy way around that. Yeah, I guess that's what I would do. That's what I would do. I would just be like, you're going to let me in right now. You can invite me in. Well, there we go. It only took a little bit of brainstorming. So then we cut over to Stefan and Damon at the Salvatore house. And Stefan is being mean. Yeah. So Damon is like throwing books off the bookshelf. He's obviously looking for something. And Stefan's like coming at him hard. And I know, I mean, I do have to remind myself, Damon did kill Stefan's best friend. It's not like he's been super nice to Stefan. But Stefan is coming at him a little harsh here, particularly when he says, you just seem like you're bitter because one of us gets to be with the woman we love. That's unnecessary because you know that that's the one reason Damon is in Mystic Falls. You're dating a girl who looks just like the woman he loves and you're going to rub that in his face. Yeah, it's definitely rude. And I know that Damon killed his best friend, but like it did help Stefan in the long run. Not for nothing. It's like Stefan's like mourning Lexi. He's pretty much gone on with life as normal. I mean, it's clear that he's just mad that Damon like took Elena for a road trip and like had some fun. Damon's kind of not too bothered by it. He's smart enough to see that Stefan's trying to get a rise out of him and that he's 
bitter about Elena, obviously, because Damon even makes a comment like, oh, me and Elena had a great time. And Stefan's basically like, well, what did Brie tell you? And Damon's like, I'm not really going to tell you any of that. So basically, Stefan's trying to dig for answers by belittling Damon, and it's not working. So then we cut over to school where Alaric returns Jeremy's paper about like folklore, vampires and Mystic Falls, whatever. He got an A. Jeremy's kind of surprised, but good for Jeremy. He's getting his life together. And Alaric says, you don't actually think there are vampires in Mystic Falls, do you? And Jeremy's basically like, well, there's a lot of animal attacks. It's like suspicious coincidences. There's more cases of mysterious deaths than anywhere else in Virginia. And Alaric's like, well, it's conjecture, but it's really interesting. So you get an A. And then Alaric says, oh, by the way, I'm just crazy thinking of this. Can I see your ancestor's journal? And we don't really know his intention for it yet. In this scene, he explains it as like, it's a firsthand account of the Civil War. That's very cool. He said specifically, that's like porn to a history teacher. Like, okay. Weird word choice, but fine. Yeah, and we don't know if that is all his intention is with it yet, but it kind of seems like that could be his intention because he is a historical guy, but let's face it. It's the Vampire Diaries. So then we cut out to the outer places of the school. There's a sign for the 50s decade dance, uh, you know, a little foreshadowing for where we're going to be later. And Elena's talking to Caroline. She gave Caroline a little heart necklace and Caroline's like thanking her, kind of asking where it came from. And Elena frames it as like, you know, you're a really special friend to me and I wanted to give you a necklace to represent that, which is a great way to frame it and very nice considering it's been a little tense between them because of the Matt thing and they haven't really talked about it yet, but they do here. Elena basically says, I just want you to know whatever's happening with you and Matt is fine with me. And Caroline's like, I was going to talk to you about it, but honestly, there's not much to say. We have hung out a few times, but I kind of feel like we peaked as friends. Because Caroline knows that he's not over Elena. And she says as much. She's like, look, he's not over you. So Caroline's like, why am I going to get attached to this guy? Yeah, Elena says, if you're happy and Matt's happy, it's not about me. And Caroline's like, well, actually, it is about you because Matt's not really over you. And it's kind of a sticking point for me. And it's hard for Elena to hear. But the thing is, Elena's doing everything she can because it's true to her that she doesn't care, I think. Yeah, and Elena's like, well, I'm with Stefan now. So like Matt has to move on, too. Yeah, and Elena says Matt knows I'm with Stefan Matt is fine with it he knows he has to move on but it just is that there's a little bit of stickiness on Matt's side it's good that Elena is giving Caroline this reassurance regardless of the other stuff that's going on with Matt because I think Caroline needed to hear it from Elena too well and Caroline you know we've seen this a little bit that she kind of has this insecurity around Elena where like boys like Elena more than her and like Everyone wants to talk about Elena. And so I think that compounded with this Matt stuff can't make it easy. So I think it is good that Elena's like, no, you're good. It's fine. Of course, Matt's going to fuck it up all on his own. So it doesn't even matter. Yeah, exactly. But thanks, Elena, for being a good friend. And what a mature way to handle this conversation because on so many other teen shows, the Elena character would be like, you should have told me. And Elena's right. It's not her business. So Caroline didn't need to tell her. And so you have to love that Elena's like, it's okay that you didn't talk to me about it. I understand it's weird. It's okay that you're doing it though. This is one thing about Elena is she's really cool. And this was even early in the Catherine stuff before she knew the whole story of Catherine, where she was like, look, you can like talk to me about Catherine. Like, I'm not going to take offense like that you had another girlfriend, you know? Like, it's a very 
mature approach to it that you don't really see on teen shows very often. Yeah, it's great stuff. Then we cut over to the grill where Matt is filling out a job application. And while he does it, he talks to the bartender who we're meeting for the first time. His name is Ben. And we learn from this conversation that Ben went to Mystic Falls High School and played football and that Matt is applying to be a busboy. First and foremost, most notably, we have to talk about the actor who plays Ben. I don't know the actor's name. Well, I have to say I have a new little crush. I certainly do. You're finally ready to move on from Zach. I can do it for him. Yeah, I don't know what this actor's name is. But I know what character he played on Pretty Little Liars, and that is Detective Holbrook. Detective Gabriel Holbrook, who is not a very good detective on the show. Isn't he one of the better detectives? Like compared to like, oh yeah, compared to like Wilden and Garrett. Yeah, not a fully crooked cop, not as crooked as some of the early ones on that show, but definitely not a good cop. There really aren't many good cops on that show. That's kind of the fun of it. All this to say, we recognize Ben and he's looking cute. We learned from this conversation that Ben is a semi-recent graduate of Mystic Falls High, enough that the other students would have known him and that he played football. And they do make a comment that the football season this year was bad because they had to forfeit half the games. Because if you might remember, their coach died. I was going to say, is it just because their coach died or something else? No, it's because their coach died. I guess they didn't hire a new one. They said, well, oh, well, our team's not that good anyway. So still at the grill, we go to check in with Bonnie and Elena. Elena's filling Bonnie in on the fact that she was adopted and that her birth certificate has her parents' name on it, but she knows they're not her real parents. And Bonnie basically says, you know what? You should ask Jenna. You're dating a vampire. Even if your parents are aliens, it can't be that bad. How bad can it be? Yeah, like how weird could it possibly be? And that is a good point. And I guess we'll see how weird it can possibly be as we go on through the season. I will say we (laughs) do find out who her parents are. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Well, we seem to maybe know this episode. We get a clue whether or not it is a red herring remains to be seen. Well, at the grill, Damon approaches Bonnie and he says, hey, you know what? I think we should have a fresh start. And she's like, well, you tried to kill me. And he said, but I didn't. And so you're welcome. Yeah, he's like, if I wanted to kill you, I would have. So shouldn't that count for something? And she's basically (laughs) like, I would like to set you on fire with my mind. And he's like, okay. (laughs) So he's trying to turn this conversation around. But from across the room, Hottie Ben notices them. Ben comes up and he's like, hey, everything okay over here? And Damon's like, yeah. And Ben, of course, is like, well, I wasn't talking to you. Damon eventually decides this really isn't worth his trouble. So he walks away. Ben makes a comment to Bonnie that he like recognizes her from high school. And she seems surprised that he recognizes her, that maybe she thought he didn't know him. And he says, oh, I always remember a pretty face. So we can assume, I think, that Ben's like was a senior when they were freshmen or something. So he's not that much older than them. I would guess that. Although we know he's old enough to be a bartender. I think senior freshman makes sense because that's also like a, creepy energy it's kind of weird that ben is hitting on a high schooler well he's out of high school yeah yeah. and i mean we understand it's a teen drama those ethics are loose at best and i guess the fact that he was a senior when she was a freshman makes it like a little less weird but i mean it's definitely weird although elena is dating a 162 year old so yeah it's all relative yeah you have to kind of ignore some of those to be fair he's probably like three or four years older than her in the grand scheme it's not that weird but he probably is like 21 or 22 and she's like 16 or 17. It's definitely on the questionable side. It doesn't really matter because he's not really into her, (laughs) which we'll get to later. So So then we go outside. Elena's walking to her car and she's carrying a Sephora bag. So she's got a haul. (laughs) I love to notice that. She said, I got to go to Sephora. 
she gets a phone call and she picks it up and he's like, hey, Elena. And she's like, hi, who's this? And he's like, you hit me with your car. It's like, oh, no. And the music changes. <laughs> we all make the connection. She's like, uh, and so she really quickly tries to get in her car. And he's like, you got away from me, but you won't next time. And she gets in her car and drives away. She kind of sees the hoodie. Like, I think she can kind of. She sees the shape of him. And once she drives away, we can see it's the pizza guy. I mean, we can see kind of. I don't think it's super clear yet. I guess we can't really see him. We can hear his voice. We're starting to figure out that's probably the pizza guy. Doesn't take a genius at this point. From the creepy music to the hoodie. So then we cut over to the Salvatore house where Elena's checking in with Stefan because she's fairly a little creeped out by this interaction. And she's like, why did he call me if he was going to kill me? And Stefan's like, well, vampires are predators. The hunt, the stalk, like it's just as exciting as the kill. And she's like, okay, you're talking a little too personally about that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really think that made Elena feel better. Yeah, but it's like, oh, oh, good. Like, oh, he didn't kill you because it'll be more fun for him to kill you after he's like really fucked with your head a little bit. And she's like, okay. She's like, thanks. He does <laughs> luckily have a tool. He's like, hey, uh, here, I'll give you this pocket watch. She says, this is Jeremy's. And he's like, yeah, I took it from Damon who took it from Logan who probably took it from Jeremy. Keep up. Anyway, <laughs> and she opens it and it's obviously no longer a pocket watch. It's now a compass. And she's like, what? And he's like, oh yeah, okay, let me explain. That points out vampires. And then he sets it down to prove his point and it wiggles for a while before it finds Stefan. So how good is it? <laughs> Yeah, I wrote down compass slow, vampire is fast. Yeah. Even if it starts going off, like the vampire could already be chomping. Yeah, a lot of good that compass does. But, you know, they made it in the 1800s. It's not the tippy top of technology. Yeah, thanks for nothing, Jonathan Gilbert. But this is funny that like after all the drama of this pocket watch, Jeremy and Elena didn't notice it was missing. Well, to be fair, Jeremy's had a lot going on. Maybe he noticed it was missing and didn't want to say anything because he was like, after I just caused such a stink for this pocket watch, I fucking lost it. Yeah, maybe he thought he lost it. He's like, oh no, they're going to think I sold it on eBay for pot money. He was like, I better not call any attention to the fact that I can't find it. That's pretty realistic. (laughs) So he kind of explains the power and he says, yeah, your ancestors, they were the founding families. Like the Gilberts were part of the group that was trying to eradicate vampires in 1864. And she's like, oh, did you know them? And he's like, yeah and he doesn't elaborate at all which is like okay (laughs) um were you guys friends did did you like them were they mean yeah like give me some more details were they actively trying to kill you or were they just kind of along in the mob you know yeah how much did they hate vampires yeah were they just kind of succumbing to peer pressure or were they like getting the stakes ready but she doesn't ask although i guess they're not really her ancestors that's true she's like whatever i don't know those people (laughs) And then we cut over to the school where Caroline and Matt are making decorations for the decade dance. They're painting some sign and they're like flirting with each other. And she like kind of soft asks him to the dance. She's like, are we going to color coordinate at this dance? And he's like, oh, I have to work. And she says, since when are you a bus boy? And she does kind of say it with a little more disdain than maybe is necessary. Busboy is kind of a goofy job. As someone who worked as a busser, I think part of it too is that Vicky was a full server. Like, why wouldn't they give Matt that job? Well, it's a normal high school job. It's normal to start out as a busser. No, yeah, it totally is. But like... She maybe worked her way up to server. I guess I was thinking she was shocked because she knew that Vicky 
worked there and so I guess she was like why would you be a busboy I don't think Caroline has the inner workings of a restaurant job this is what I think is the problem here they kind of start to get in a little fight here because he kind of feels like she's belittling his job and she kind of feels like she's just talking about it so there's clearly a miscommunication and what I think this comes down to is this underlying thing that of the main characters, Matt's the only one who's not from a founding family. Yeah. And that came up somewhat with Vicky, you know, that Vicky viewed herself or viewed herself and felt that others viewed her as like this girl from the wrong side of the tracks who like was part of their dark, dark phase, whatever. And so I think Matt kind of has some of that too. And that's one thing that I think is interesting through these like series of kind of fights we see Matt and Carolyn get into. And it's not like we saw Matt and Elena's relationship. But that didn't seem to be as big of an issue for Elena. Yeah, I do think. So that pisses me off. Well, no, I think Matt's thinking about it differently now. I guess that's true. I don't think it came up when he was with Elena because his parents were around more or maybe he was at Elena's house more. I think he's thinking more about it now because he has he lives by himself, basically, and he has to take care of himself. So now he doesn't get the luxury of being like a carefree high school football player, which he had when he was with Elena. And I think he sees Caroline and this isn't fair to Caroline, but he sees Caroline as like this kind of carefree, spoiled sheriff's daughter. And so I think he's projecting the disdain onto her. I think they're both projecting expectations onto each other that are then being let down because Caroline's expecting that she's dating this high school golden boy and she's not anymore. That's not who Matt is anymore. Unfortunately, he's been through what he understands the disappearance of his sister and his mom basically stepping out. And he kind of projects onto her this like girl who thinks she's better than everyone, even though he knows that's not her, but that's a longstanding thought he's had about her. Even though they're starting to see each other differently than they did, those biases are still holding. Yeah, and I think this is all built on that Caroline already feels like she's like less than Elena in some way. And so any perceived like, dislike for Matt gets kind of blown up even more because she's like already insecure about that. So I do think it's a lot of stuff together that's like making them uncomfortable. Well, and there's, you know, the newness of the relationship in general. They don't really quite know how to communicate with each other yet. And I think Matt and Elena were like best friends since childhood. And so he never really had to learn how to have those conversations in a new way. And now he has to learn how to have a girlfriend who's maybe not his best friend right now. Yeah. And getting older and those conversations get more complicated. You know, it's this relationship that I don't think either of them remotely expected would ever come about, you know? Yeah, they have expectations of each other that are being subverted every day, but they're not quite sure how to deal with them as they come. Point is, is that they clearly are not reading each other's intentions the way that they are intending things, because immediately Matt's like, you know, some of us have to work. And Caroline's like, oh, I was just asking about it when she did have a little disdain for busboy. She doesn't really understand that he might need a job because to her, a job is like something that she doesn't need to think about yet. And even that she probably wouldn't think Matt would have needed to, you know. Either way, this conversation does not go, I think, the way either of them expected it to. And so there's some tension brewing, which we'll get to later. So then we cut over to the grill where Jeremy's hanging out and Anna comes up and she's like, oh, how'd the paper go? Like, did he believe in the vampires? And Jeremy's like, I don't even believe it. It's a paper. (laughs) And she's like, what the hell? And she's like, okay. And she's like trying to hang out with him. You know, they just spent all this time hanging out for this paper. And then he's like, we'll see you around. Yeah, he starts to leave. Like, are we not going to hang out after the paper? Yeah, she's like, oh, do you want to hang out tonight? And he's like, oh, I'm on punch duty at the dance. 
And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, how'd you get stuck with that? And he's like, yeah, well, I need some extra credit in English. So I made a deal. And she's like, oh, well, how about like tomorrow? You want to hang out? And he's like, I got to go. <laughs> he like kind of brushes her off. Yeah, which like is weird. But I think he is just like not really dying to get in a relationship. And also this is probably wise on his part. Well, yeah, I think he's not really interested in her. I think he likes having another friend. Yeah. I think he likes hanging out with her, but he like doesn't want to give her the wrong impression, but he's just trying to do it by brushing it off rather than saying it, which I don't really blame him because he's like 15. I'm not mad at Jeremy for this. Yeah. And she's persistent. And we find out later, it's not just because she likes him. It's because she wants something out of him. Don't they all? You can't trust anybody, can you? You know, when we first met her, I was like, I don't trust her. And you know what? I was right. I know. I met her and I was like, hmm, we'll see. I was like, she's a little too into Jammy too fast. No offense to Jammy, but like. I know. I'm like, what does she see in that guy? I'm at a library and this guy's reading an old book and drawing a werewolf. I'm, well, actually, I am into that. Never mind. Who am I? What am I saying? <laughs> yeah, strike, strike that. that. Cut that. <laughs> so then we go over to the Gilbert house. We check it with Jenna and Elena. Jenna's all dressed up for the decade dance because Alaric roped her into chaperoning. It was a pretty flimsy rope. <laughs> She also mentions that Elena's car is totaled, which it's good to know that like there were consequences of this car crash. Yeah, it's good to follow that up. And Elena gets right down to brass tacks. She's like, why didn't you tell me I was adopted? <laughs> she said, shut up about the stupid ass decade dance. <laughs> Jenna's like, well, um, your mom was going to tell you eventually. I really didn't think it was going to be up to yeah. me. Which of course she didn't. She was like, that's not my job. That's not my kid. Yeah, she's like, I'm literally her aunt and not even my blood. So why would I tell her anything? <laughs> but Elena's like, well, if my mom was here and I asked, she'd tell me the truth. Maybe so. We'll never know. There's no way <laughs> to know. But Jenna does tell her the truth. She basically says, There was a runaway, a 16-year-old girl who came into Elena's father's office late one night. Elena's father was a doctor and was about to give birth. They were trying to have a baby and they wanted a baby. And this runaway didn't want the baby, we can presume. And since he was a doctor, he basically forged the birth certificate to say it was their kid. She said that they like tried to give the girl shelter for a couple of days, but eventually she ran away. So they kept the baby. They didn't tell anyone. The runaway ran away. And obviously it didn't really have any effect because the girl never came back for her, to our knowledge. And they did mention that her name is Isabel. The runaway's name. That's an important name and we'll get to it later. Yeah. Anytime someone gives me a name, I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to lock that away for future use. That's going to come up. First of all, if we learn about her birth mother, we have to assume that we're either going to meet her or learn more about her at some point. And that's also all they know about elena's mom is that her name is isabel that's all they know that's all jenna knows anyway for the moment (laughs) (laughs) and so then we check back in at the salvatore house stefan's all dressed up for the decade dance in a button up and pants whatever damon's writing down some names and i paused and looked at this when i watched it was the founders in 1864 it's not the founders council of today i don't know if that matters but i just wanted to point that out I'm just like convinced that there's like secrets in a bunch of founders journals that the council isn't reading. So I am forever asking questions about this. But do you think they've read the Salvatore journals? Like would Zach have brought them or would they be missing those journals essentially? I would be willing to bet they've read the journals if Zach was on the council. Okay, I was just curious. 
Although the journals do seem to be important to others now, but... Now that I'm thinking about it, Damon was looking for their dad's journal. Damon's probably writing down all the names of the founders from 1864 so he can know what journals to read in case there's any information in that. Oh yeah, about how to get the tomb open. Yeah, that just occurred to me. It's interesting. This is just kind of an aside about the journals because I keep thinking the founders have like their secret journals that the founders don't have information in and that's why they don't have that much information. But these other vampires seem to really want the journals and it's like the founders don't know anything. Like... <laughs> What's going to be in those journals that you guys don't know? There are things that a vampire might know is are important that a human wouldn't. Okay, yeah, that makes that sense. That are in the journals that maybe the founders haven't read. Maybe they want to get into the tomb too to unleash all 26 or whatever. Perhaps. Because maybe they are like Damon that they're like, we want the vampires to get everybody. That's a good guess. Anyway, so Stefan drops a book in front of Damon and he's like, here you go. It's dad's journal. And Damon's like, why are you giving me dad's journal? And Stefan's like, well, I know you were looking for it. And Stefan's like, I hope you enjoy reading it. I read it. There is no information about Catherine, the tomb or how to open it in there so you are shit out of luck wouldn't it be funny if there was information and stefan was just hoping damon wouldn't call his bluff and read the journal i mean <laughs> that would be a smart move <laughs> if there were information but stefan would never give him the journal if it had information in it yeah if it had information he'd just burn it yeah but wouldn't take that risk at all but it would be funny this is you know a rare funny line from stefan so you do have to notice them he said it won't help you with your diabolical plan the sequel <laughs> this was a cute move stefan is once again being mad but it is fun that he's trying to do banter mm -hmm. what i think is really funny about stefan doing banter is it's kind of like when i get too competitive and i'll say something but i accidentally get too mean like i'll be like trying to trash talk in a game on it and i'll be like well you're fat and lonely and dumb and it's like, okay, that was a little too far. Yeah, it's like, that's not banter as much as it is an insult. Yeah, and that's kind of, Stefan has a hard time towing that line as well. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan says, you know what? I would love for you to leave town. So I would be willing to consider helping you open the tomb just to release Catherine. And then you leave town together. The other 26 vampires, they can't come. He's like, I'll consider that. And Damon, Damon's like, I really don't think I'm going to trust you. And Stefan is like, you know what? You don't trust anyone and you're the only liar between us. And Stefan, that's a little bit of revisionist history, isn't it? You literally poisoned him. Yeah, you lied not three weeks ago to poison him and lock him in a dungeon. You haven't exactly been the most trustworthy brother to him. A little bit get off your high horse. You haven't been very trustworthy for Damon either. And I get he hasn't been trustworthy for you, but don't act like he's the only one who's ever lied. Yeah. And we'll get there later because actually what Stefan just did was lie to him. Rude. So then we go over to the Gilbert house where Elena is getting ready for the decades dance. She is wearing a bumpet, of course. That's the only good part of this outfit. I'll start there. Yeah, she's wearing a crazy <laughs> little outfit that consists of a, like a blue button up, some short little cigarette pants and white keds. And earlier in the episode, she's talking to Bonnie and she says, my outfit for the dance is severely lacking in accessories. Well, let me tell you what, Elena, you went overboard. You yeah, added you, too many accessories. You overcorrected there, sweetie. Yeah, she's got this crazy pink belt like at an ampere waistline. It is so under her boobs, it's insane. Like it might as well be a bra how close it is to her boobs. Like that's not really how you're supposed to wear a belt, sweetie. And she's got a white headband, these huge round pearl earrings. She's got like a tricolor pink pearl bracelet moment. So anyway, she's getting ready in her crazy little outfit. She's blow drying her hair and the compass is going off, but she can't hear it because of the blow dryer. 
And then she walks away from the compass on the bed as it's still going off. It's still making noise. And she goes and grabs yet another accessory, a pink scarf. Leave it behind, Elena. You've got enough. Finally, she notices the compass moving. And it seems like they didn't have a plan after the compass started going off. Yeah, it seems like no one told her like what to do if she did indeed see the compass move because she's kind of looking at it. She's like, oh, and so she goes to call Stefan because, I mean, what else is she going to do in this situation? But of course, Damon answers. <laughs> yeah, and Damon's a little nonchalant. He's like, oh, Stefan's phone. And Elena's like, where is Stefan? And Damon's like, oh, he's on his way to you. He's got his phone. So Elena just assumes like, oh, okay. The compass just- It's picking up Stefan. Yeah, I got so nervous. And Damon's like, oh yeah, no worries, bye. Hands and up. then of course the camera pans and we see a vampire on the ceiling. It's the pizza boy. We know this by this point. We can see it's the pizza boy. This is pretty clear by now. Because again, who else got invited in? And as soon as Elena relaxes, of course, he basically jumps down and attacks her. Luckily- Stefan was on his way to her. So he knocks him off pretty fast. And Pizza Boy runs out, of course. He knows when his bread is buttered. He's out of yeah. there. Yeah, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good. They must call Damon because Damon comes over and he's like, how'd he get in? And Elena's like, I invited him in. He posed as a pizza guy, which Damon admires. It's a cool move. And you know what it is? Damon's like, oh, that's a good move. Like He's like, I better lock that one away, baby. Yeah, but Damon doesn't try it because he's too hot to be a Pizza Boy. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. You'd be like, okay, who ordered a stripper? I'd be immediately suspicious. <laughs> I'd be like, you're delivering my pizza? I'd be like, yeah, I'm scared of COVID. You can just leave it there. Please don't look at me. But Stefan and Damon are both like, we don't know that guy. Stefan kind of turns to Damon and he's like, he was invited in. And Damon's like, okay, so we got to kill him tonight. <laughs> and-, and Elena's like, what? <laughs> Damon's like, are you okay to like go to the dance and be bait still? And she's like... Okay, I guess so, because Damon's basically like, he's been invited in. He can come into this house whenever he wants and kill anyone who lives here. Yeah, like none of you guys are safe until he's gone. And that's enough to convince Elena because it's not just about her. It's about Jenna and Jeremy, too. She doesn't want them to get killed. Well, that's the thing, too, of like, I'd be like, well, I'm going to go to the dance because I don't want to be sitting here waiting for him to show back up. Like, at least I'm around other people at the dance, you know? That's true. Yeah, I would be like, I'm going. Especially because if I'm with Damon and Stefan, like they can kill him. I would be putting all my trust in them. Yeah, I would trust him. Yeah, she knows that it wouldn't be the first time they've ever killed a man. Yeah. We cut over to the 50s dance. Bonnie and Caroline are dancing. Looking oh so cute. Yeah, we kind of get a catch up, of course, with where everyone is at the dance because it's our first shot of it. Bonnie and Caroline are dancing. Alaric's wandering around chaperoning. And in walks Elena with a Salvatore on each arm. Wish it were me. Yeah. Hard to see someone else living the life you want for yourself. It is. And Alaric spots Damon from across the room. Jenna approaches Alaric and she's like, oh yeah, like I'm a sucker for the decade dance. I went to school here and I just have so much fun. You know, they do the 60s and the 70s too. And as an audience member, that excites me because that's what I want to see. I want to see more themed dances. And I can tell you, we will. I'm glad we're doing 50s first because, you know, it's the first season. Their funding isn't like out of the park yet. And the 50s is kind of like, you know, you could get cuter with more funding. But I think 60s and 70s, we're going to see some fun, fun looks once their funding is up. Don't get too excited. <laughs> oh, <laughs> then maybe I'm wrong. I mean, yeah, I'm just going to tell you, don't get too, ex- like, don't raise your hopes too high. I'll forget about it by the time it comes up. I am shocked that we didn't see anybody in a poodle skirt at the stance or any of our main people. 
I, that felt like a Caroline move, you know? Yeah. But she looked cute with her hair, so. It all worked out. So anyway, Elena goes up to Bonnie and Caroline to chat with them. And Bonnie's like, why the hell is Damon here? Caroline is like, what is with this? Is it like a threesome now with you and the Salvatore brothers? And Elena's like, look, if I'm going to have to be with Stefan, I have to learn to live with Damon. He's going to be fine. He's going to behave. And Bonnie and Caroline are both like, I would like to kill him. <laughs> Elena, very nonchalant. She didn't have to be like, Damon and Stefan are here with me to kill a vampire. But she was like, oh yeah, here's a quick lie. Nice and easy. Yeah, she's good at it. And then we catch up with Jenna and Alaric and they're talking about Jeremy, how he's getting better. And Alaric's like, yeah, well, losing someone really suddenly is traumatic. And Jenna's like, oh yeah, your wife. (laughs) And Jenna's like, I know, my sister died. (laughs) Yeah, I guess Jenna would know too. But yeah, Jenna's like, oh yeah, your wife. Uh, Is it cool to talk about her? And Alaric's like, there's really not much to talk about. Like, I don't know anything about her death. And Jenna's like, it must like be so frustrating to not have any answers. And he's like, yeah, it kind of keeps me up all night. And they're both like, well, maybe someday. And she's talking about maybe someday you'll know who did it. And Alaric's talking about maybe someday I'll kill that guy across the room in the leather jacket. Yeah, he does know it's So that's like, I mean, I guess you got to keep it kind of like, what's he going to say? Yeah, the cops don't know, but I do. I saw my wife get killed by a vampire. Uh, No, he's not going to do that. So he's basically like, yeah, well, it is what it is. I mean, (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. She's dead. And Jen is trying to turn on the moves, but the wife keeps coming up. So it's kind of a weird romantic day. Yeah, she's like trying to be like open about it, but she's like, okay, like there's only so much I can say about this. Like, I didn't know your wife. Yeah, she keeps bringing it up though. I'm like, Jenna, mama. No wonder she was stuck with Logan. Maybe that was the best she could do. That's mean. (laughs) Sorry, Jenna, that was mean, sweetie. She can do better. She is already doing better, I would argue. Yeah, even going on one date with Alaric. So then we see Bonnie and Caroline hanging out and Damon approaches them. And Damon's like, hey, Bonnie. Do you want to dance? And she's like, I'm leaving. And Caroline's basically like, back off. So it doesn't go well. And then immediately Stefan and Elena come up and they're like, what did you say to them? And he's like, I was perfectly polite, which is technically true, but there's a little bit more history there. So yeah, and he was, you know, being a little bit facetious because he was being a little cheeky. Again, he did try to kill Bonnie. And he did compel Caroline. And honestly, he tried to kill Caroline too, but she was full of her vein. Yeah, exactly. Damon's like, well, Elena, would you like to dance? And Elena says, oh, I would love to. And then she grabs Stefan and goes to dance. Good move. Yeah, but they are flirting. And even if Elena doesn't want to admit they're flirting. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm obviously not a Stelena girl. I've made that clear. But they are cute when they're dancing. Every time they've danced, I've been like, oh, you guys are in love. Yeah, say what you will. So Elena and Stefan dance. And they're kind of also on the lookout for Pizza Boy. They're clearly not looking for him that well because he's just standing there looking creepy in the hoodie, which I guess he's blending in. There's a lot of things happening. He would have blended in more if he dressed up in 50s garb. Yeah, I, I would argue that for sure. He loves his hoodie. He's he, he's just comfortable there. Exactly. So they dance. They're kind of looking for him, but they're not seeing him yet. He says, do you see him yet? And Elena's like, no, not if he's not wearing a pompadour. And Stefan's like, not one of my favorite trends. And Elena's like, I bet you looked great in the 50s, which absolutely he did. He must have been very hot in the 50s. He must have looked great in a pompadour. And she's like, so what was the 50s like? Like, I have this picture in my mind of like Greece and it's like varsity sweaters and milkshakes. And Stefan's like, yeah, but there was also like McCarthyism and segregation <laughs> and the nuclear arms race. And Elena's like, poodle skirts. <laughs> 
we're getting a picture of Stefan that he was politically minded and usually on the right side of history, which I know is probably revisionist because it has to be. We know he was anti-Vietnam War and we know he was anti-segregation. So that's good. And we know he was anti-McCarthyism. So I'm making it my belief that Stefan is a communist. I would like to make that belief too. Also because I just had a vision in my head of him during the 90s being like one of the punk street kids. Dare to dream. But Elena obviously doesn't want a history lesson. She wants to dance with her boyfriend. So she's like, can you teach me the hand drive? And he basically says no, but he keeps lookout. So then we cut over to the punch table where we catch up with Jeremy, notably on punch duty, and Anna. Who just rolls up. Yeah, he's like, hey, you're doing that thing where you pretend we're dating again. And she's like, well, seeing as how you didn't invite me, I decided to come. She's like, come on, get over yourself. Like, I've never been to a school dance before. It's fun. I will say, like, he doesn't need to be this mean to her, although he's kind of correct. I mean, he is right that he didn't invite her. But he's obviously kind of still like, he's not mad she's there. So it worked out. It's a bold move to show up after, like, you basically asked to be asked and you still didn't get asked. But, you know, go for it. No shade. Anyway, so then we cut over to the grill. Bonnie and Caroline have decided to leave the dance and go to the grill instead. Caroline said earlier that she spent two hours getting ready and she was going to stay at the dance half that. Clearly, that has expired. So they show up to the grill and Bonnie spots Ben, who, you know, they've had a subtle flirtation. So Bonnie's like, we should sit at the bar. And Caroline's like, Ben. And Caroline (laughs) says that he is a washed up jock who pours drinks for a living. And of course, Matt is in earshot. Yeah, he's like right behind her carrying his little tub, his little boss boy tub. And so he kind of walks by her kind of aggressively and she's like, hey. And he's like, hey, he's obviously mad at her. Caroline can kind of sense that he's annoyed, but she doesn't really connect it with her yet because obviously she came to the grill to see him. And again, she's not like saying that out loud because there's a communication issue that these two are having. But obviously that's why she left the dance. She wanted to spend time with Matt. Yeah, and he just is closed off. Yeah, he's kind of brushing her off. So then we go back over to check in with our little love triangle at the dance. Stefan and Elena are dancing. Damon is brooding. And Alaric goes up to Damon and he says, hey, uh, how'd you get trapped into chaperoning? And Damon is like, why are you talking to me? But Alaric's doing a pretty good job of seeming pretty casual here for most of this conversation. So Damon introduces himself. He's like, oh, I'm Damon Salvatore. And Alaric makes the connection that he's Stefan's brother. And he kind of asks a lot of questions like, oh, do you guys live alone? Have you always lived here? And Damon's like, no, I travel a lot. And Alaric's like, where? He's like, in the States? Like, across the United States? And as soon as he said that, Damon is like, this conversation's over. Damon is very good at reading the room. He's like, okay, this just took a turn. You can tell that Damon thinks he's asking too many questions. And to Alaric's credit, he also notices that. And he's like, sorry, I'm like totally nosy. I'll let you go. And Alaric leaves the conversation. Again, this is a great move by Alaric and it ends up not really paying off because Damon's still suspicious of him, but it does pay off because Alaric's prepared. But either way, he backs off. Yeah. Then we go back over to Bonnie and Caroline at the grill who are in even lower spirits than they were before. Yeah. Bonnie's staring at Ben. Caroline's like sipping on her iced tea. And she's like, this night was so much better on paper. And Bonnie's like, you should just talk to Matt. You know, be bold. Caroline's like, oh yeah, well, you've been looking at the bartender all night. She said, I stalking the bartender. And then Bonnie's like, you know what? You're right. And she goes up to Ben and Caroline's like, well, what the fuck? I didn't think she was going to do it. Now I have to talk to Matt. Well, I'll say, you know, obviously I think Ben is insanely hot. And in my mind, if someone is really hot on the show, they are vampire. 
And I was watching this and I was like, oh, he's a vampire. And Grace like, how we? How would you know that? I tried to throw her off the scent. And I think I did throw you off the scent. You did throw me off the scent because I was shook by the end. That's the trap you fall into. Every time someone new is introduced on the show, you're like, vampire? When I used to, in the beginning, I would look for a ring, but no one has these daylight rings except Salvatore's. So that's not productive. Exactly. So anyway, Bonnie goes up to Ben and she kind of flirts with him and she's like, I'm proving my point to my friend. She doesn't really get to the point. And then eventually she does ask him out. He seems into it. And so they're talking and Caroline is moping. Matt walks by and she's like, hey, what the hell? And he's like, what? And she's like, you're like ignoring me. You're avoiding me. And he's like, no, I'm working. And he kind of tries to brush off this conversation. And she's like digging in because she's like, I know it's deeper than this. And eventually he says, I have to go clear a table. That's something that washed up jocks do for a living. And she's like, okay, that's what this is about. He like drops it very immaturely. He just won't say like why he's mad or even say that he's mad until Caroline literally has to like yank it out of him. So then we go back over to the dance. Anna's helping Jeremy with punch duty. And he's like, hey, you don't go to school here. You don't have to do that. And she's like, no, it's fun, whatever. Ha ha ha. By the way, just thinking. Just random thought. Could I have, just, I just thought of this. Could I have your ancestor's journal? And Jeremy's like, uh, why? And she's like, oh, you said I could read it. And he's like, oh, well, I can't give it to you right now. And she's like, well, obviously you didn't bring it to the dance. I can walk you home though. We can get it then. Yeah, she's like very quickly, like really into this journal, which she's doing a very bad job of hiding how much she wants this journal. He's like, well, I gave it to my history teacher. And she's like, you can't just be giving that to anyone. He's like, but you want me to give it to you? And she seems particularly stressed that Alaric has it. Like she kind of makes a face when he says he gave it to his history teacher, which I don't know what that means yet, but I just thought that was interesting. Worth noting for sure. She's like super weird about it. And we're wondering like, why does she care about this? And then we see some veins under her eyes, baby. Vampire. She's a vampire. I was right not to trust her early on. I'm protecting Jeremy and my instincts were correct. Were you surprised that she was a vampire? I was because this is like stupid. But again, it seems that my only clue for who's a vampire is how hot they are. And sorry to her, but she wasn't as hot as like Lexi or like Nina Dobrev. I think that's unfair. She's just younger. She's younger. I'm just saying she's like not as like insanely hot as them. So I didn't make that connection. Also because all the vampires here seem to be obsessed with Elena because she looks like Catherine, it seems. Which I guess it makes sense that then one would go after Jeremy. But we just, we don't see that many female vampires on this show. Like, we've seen a, a handful, but comparatively not as many. So I've been really on the lookout for male vampires because we knew there was this one that Elena hit, who was obviously a man. Mm -hmm. And we had found out who he was, so you probably didn't expect another vampire reveal so soon. I figured the young one that she hit, like, after meeting him and seeing him, I figured he wasn't the main guy. Because the question I've had continuously is who turned Logan. And I assumed it was this guy Elena hit, but I don't really think that's the case because he seems like a very young, inexperienced vampire, except he knows Catherine. We know he's at least that old. Okay, so because he said like she looks like Catherine, but I wasn't sure if he like knows Catherine or just like knows of Catherine, but I think it seems like he knows Catherine. It seems like he knows Catherine. I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility that Catherine turned him, but then we know that that's as young as he possibly could be. Stefan and Damon's age, basically. But it seems like there's like a an alpha vampire somewhere else that isn't one of these that we've met this episode, I don't think. Thought it was Alaric for a long time, but I guess not. Do you think Alaric's a vampire anymore? I don't think so, because he was holding Vivane. 
We'll get there when we get there. Well, and that's my question about Anna getting back to this, that, you know, when she was helping Jeremy work on this paper, she seemed to be really pushing on him. Like vampires were actually in Mystic Falls, trying to give him that information. And like, why does she want Jeremy to know that vampires are real? I mean, she didn't tell him, but it seems like she kind of wanted him to get there. I mean, we don't know exactly what her motivations are for coming to Mystic Falls yet. Well, I guess we know that she wants the tomb open. Yeah, but it seems like she, I don't know, she kind of alludes to like coming here for something to Noah. So then we check back in with Elena and Stefan. They're still dancing. They're starting to feel a little safe. They're like flirting. They're enjoying their time. She asks him to do a 50s move and he does it and he does like a cool dip and stuff. And then he immediately is like, I'm never going to do that again. Boy, if you don't throw me around the room. <laughs> like a goddamn ragdoll. Please. I know you can do the dirty dancing move. I know you can. I didn't need to think about that. We cut over to the hallway where Anna has walked away because when we saw her veins, Jeremy was like, well, what's up with your eye? And she's like, I'm going to take a walk. So she goes to the hallway and in the hallway, she runs into Pizza Boy. She calls him Noah. So we can start calling him Noah now. So we learn his name finally. Yes. And we learn that they know each other. And she's like, can you leave the girl alone and stick to the plan? She's like, I'm trying to get the journal. That's what we are here for. And he's like, but she looks like Catherine. Men are stupid. Men really do be <laughs> dumb. Anna's like, yeah, but she's not Catherine. Catherine's in the tomb. Like they make it clear they know about Catherine and the tomb and something about the spell. And really, Elena looking like Catherine just brings so much energy. <laughs> so much powerful negative energy to her life. Yeah, she couldn't have known when she was just a wee child. What if she dyed her hair in like middle school? Would that have changed the course of history? I doubt it. <laughs> Then they'd be like, oh, she looks like Catherine, but blonde. So Anna says to Noah, basically, leave her alone, okay? We don't get anything from messing with her. And she's with the Salvatore brothers. And he's like, I'm not scared of them. I never have been. So he just obviously isn't listening, which will be his demise. So then we go back over to the dance and Damon's having a great time dancing with some random girl. And Elena says, you really can't take him anywhere. Yes, you can. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's having fun and blending in. That's what he that's what the plan was. Yeah, you actually can take him everywhere. Obviously, we're Damon fans over here. Yeah. And they finally spot Noah. Stefan's like, oh, I'll go get him. You get Damon. Come on. Is this your first fucking rodeo? Immediately, you're chasing this guy. You can't, you can't see a face. Uh, yeah, that's a decoy, buddy. Stefan follows the decoy. And obviously, he realizes it's a decoy. While Elena is looking for Damon and Stefan's out chasing non-Noah, Elena gets a phone call from him. And he's like, you're going to leave this dance or I'm going to snap your brother's neck and I'm going to do it so fast. There's probably not going to be any witnesses. So go out into the hallway. Yeah, and he's standing like Jeremy is between them and Jeremy's just pulling punch, not a care in the world. Like, yeah, that would have been a, an easy move. Yeah. So Elena obliges. She runs. He doesn't do his vampire run fast because obviously he's trying to savor the hunt. Yeah, he's letting her like run and get a little scared. She's trapped. One of the doors is locked. She basically runs into like a cafeteria and he, you know, knocks her over. He beats her up a little bit. She picks up some pencils and as he tries to bite her, she stabs him with the pencils. Smart move because at the very least it buys her a couple seconds. That was so amazingly smart. I mean, Queen, she's really settling into this supernatural world better than most would. Exactly. So she stabs him with a couple pencils. She delays him a little bit, but eventually he gets them out and she's out of pencils. Then Elena sees a mop and she breaks the handle, which is another great move. And she tries to stake him with it. Unfortunately, he he grabs it. He grabs it and throws it. 
Luckily, she's bought herself enough time for Stefan and Damon to get there. So Stefan grabs Noah, Damon catches the steak, and Damon's basically like, hey, nobody wants to kill you. We just want to talk to you. And he tries to go for Elena again. So Damon, in a very cool move of brotherhood teamwork, Damon throws the steak to Stefan and, and Stefan stakes Noah, but not in the heart. So it just hurts him, but he's not dead yet. And they're like, okay, um, so what's up here? So what's the deal? And Noah's like, I'm doing this because it's fun, because she looks like Catherine. Good thing Stefan told her that already. Yeah. Well, and also this is interesting because they don't know him and they don't know that he knew Catherine. So he, we can assume, has been like in or around Mystic Falls on and off since he knew Catherine and they've never known him. Yeah, but he knows them. They're like, you knew Catherine? And he makes a comment like, you guys thought you were the only ones. And they're like, oh, yeah, we did. They're like, actually, as a matter of fact, we did think that. Stefan was like, I honestly thought I was the only one for a while there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stefan's like, well, to be fair to me, I was compelled. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's perfect. You don't remember me. And they're like, whatever. OK. So Damon's like, hey, how do we get in the tomb? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. So they torture him a little bit more. Keep twisting the little stake. Just Yeah. And he's like, OK, the grimoire. And Damon's like, I know that. Where is it? <laughs> And eventually Noah's like, you check Jonathan Gilbert's journal. And while this is happening, Anna can see it happening. So she knows that Noah's pretty much done for and that they now know the Gilbert journal is important. Anna doesn't seem all that surprised by this happening. She's like, okay, I'm going to go. Well, she warned him. <laughs> she also sees Alaric approaching. And that's why she leaves because she doesn't want to really get involved in that. That's true. Because again, she seems to know something about Alaric in my mind. They ask him who he's working with, and he basically says, you'll have to kill me. And Stefan says, deal. Stefan said, fine, I'll do it. He said, I'll accept those terms. And <laughs> he takes him. Elena is basically like, well, now how are we going to find the others? And Stefan and Damon are basically like, he had to die. He was invited in. There's nothing we could have done. Th this was going to happen regardless. So then they hear Alaric walking through the hallway, and Stefan's like, I'll clean up this body. So Damon's like, okay, I'll go take care of Alaric. And this is good because Damon's still suspicious of Alaric. So Damon goes up to Alaric in the hallway, and he does a little vampire run, so he gets there pretty fast. Damon thinks he compels Alaric. He basically says, why are you in Mystic Falls? Do you know what I am? Are you telling me the truth? Great, forget this conversation because Alaric pretends to be compelled. He says, I got a job as a history teacher. You're my student's brother. And like, yes, I'm telling you the truth. Damon's like, great, forget this conversation. And he walks away. And Alaric is like clearly very shaken up and he opens his hand and he is holding just like a flower of Vervain. So this is our confirmation that Alaric's not a vampire. And also that he knows about Vervain. And this is interesting because I wrote down, well, where did he get this Vervain? And so I have a, a little theory moment. He stole this from Jenna's little bracelet. Interesting. Because where is he going to find Vervain? Nothing's growing. There's no Vervain growing in Mystic Falls. He just got here. He didn't have time to put together an orchard of Vervain. Do you think maybe he had Vervain from wherever he was before? I guess maybe. Maybe. It was awful fresh for Vane that he's just been gripping in his hand. That's my little baby theory that he stole it from Jenna somehow. I hear you. So then we go back into the hallway where Stefan and Damon are kind of catching up about the night's events. They're like, we basically are pretty sure Noah's not working alone. And Stefan's like, so the grimoire, you know, that was Emily's. He said, when the founding families burned Emily, they took her stuff. So you think maybe the whereabouts of the grimoire is in Jonathan Gilbert's journal. Damon's like, cool, you figured it out. And Stefan's like, yeah, I put all those pieces together. And Stefan's like, my offer still stands. I will help you get Catherine out of the tomb as long as the other 26 vampires die and you leave town. And Damon is really hesitant to trust him. He still is. 
But this is a pretty sweet deal for Damon. It's a pretty sweet deal. And it does make sense that Stefan wants him gone. It makes enough sense that Damon is, if not fully accepting this deal, he's pretty much convinced. And it seems like he cares enough about Catherine that like this risk seems worth it to him. Honestly. So he kind of accepts. So then we cut over to the grill where Caroline apologizes for saying something stupid that in her mind wasn't about him. And he's like, but I relate to it. So like, to me, it is about me. I could easily be Ben. So you talking down to Ben is really talking down to me. And Caroline gives not her greatest apology. She basically says, yeah, sometimes I say stupid things, but I'm working on it. It just feels like she has to talk down about herself for like Matt to like her, which annoys me. I agree with that. But also she makes a lot of excuses for saying something that hurt Matt's feelings. I say stupid things. Like just because that's like a personality trait doesn't mean it's okay. She kind of like blames her personality on something that hurt his feelings when really it's just like her apology should have been, I'm sorry I said that. I don't think that about you and I'm sorry that it hurt you. This apology would have worked better for like her being like since one of your bus boy and not like this other more specific thing. Well, it comes down to he's not really mad about that specific comment as much as he's mad that she doesn't really understand what he's going through. And she's not mad that he isn't talking to her. She's mad because she knows that he's not really over Elena. It just seems like he likes Caroline, but not enough. Well, he's scared to like her, I think, because it's a little tricky. I think he doesn't know if he's over Elena still. Like he thinks he's probably not, but he's like, well, if I also like move forward with this, then like I'm kind of cutting off that Elena path forever, or at least making it very difficult. He says like, he doesn't want to talk about everything. And he's like, I know you want to take the next step. And she's like, you don't know that you haven't asked me, which is a great point. He's basically like, look, I'm not sure I'm over Elena. And I really like you right now. And this is the only good thing going on in my life. And I don't want to mess it up. So really, I think what's happening is he is getting over Elena and he is having real feelings for Caroline. And he's scared about that because that's a change in his life. And he's scared to mess it up. Like the whole Elena thing was messed up, even though he didn't mess that up. That was just extenuating circumstances. Anyway, so Caroline's basically like, well, you already messed it up because you're bailing before you're even trying. So it's already over. I'm going to go. No, you're worth. We cut over to the Gilbert house where Alaric has walked Jenna home. He thanks her for like a good night that she made the whole night for him and for putting up with all of his wife talk, which usually doesn't bode well for dating. She said, so this was a date. <laughs> yeah, and he says, no, but Friday could be, which is good because this would be a sucky first date because it's chaperoning. But <laughs> they're excited and she's like, you know what? Like, it's fine if you talk about your wife. You have a lot of stuff to work through. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I'll keep the Isabel talk to to a minimum. And she says, Isabel, which <laughs> here's the thing. Isabel is a pretty common name, but this is the Vampire Diaries. They're playing suspicious music under it. And Jenna says, where was Isabel from? And he says, oh, right around here. So we as the audience right now are assuming that Isabel, who was Alaric's wife, was also Elena's birth mother. And it may not be the case, but they gave us a name. Yeah, they're giving us the spooky music and they're giving us the name. So that's obviously the dot they want us to connect right now. Whether or not that's a dot we should be connecting remains to be seen. So then we cut over to a street where Caroline is walking home and Matt approaches her in his truck and he's like, hey, Caroline. And she's like, I don't really want to talk to you. Then he stops the truck, gets out and he kisses her in the headlights. I'm sure it's very romantic if you ship Matt and Caroline. I don't. Yeah, I'm like kind of like, okay. I'm like, oh, so we're going to have to be doing this for a little bit longer. I honestly think they're just like not a great couple for each other. And I just want them to like move on. I agree. I don't think either of them long term would work with each other, but we'll see how it goes. 
And then we check in at the Gilbert house where Elena and Stefan are kind of relaxing from the night. Stefan's like, are you okay? And Elena's like, honestly, I feel like really exhilarated. And Stefan's like, your adrenaline crash soon. It's like, why don't you encourage your positive feelings? Yeah, Elena's finally coming out on the vampire thing and finally like comfortable that he stakes someone in front of her. And he's like, oh, the adrenaline crash and you'll hate it again. It's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe let her do it. <laughs> yeah, but she's excited because she fought back and she did save herself by doing so because all she did with the pencils and the mop was buy herself time. And that's all she needed to do because by the time she'd bought that time, Stefan and Damon were there to, you know, do the rest of it. But still, she saved herself. Yeah, she did a great job. It was good stuff. She was smart and she was tough. Yeah, she was resourceful. All the things you need to survive a life like this. So she's feeling good. So Stefan sits down with Elena and he says, hey, I have to tell you something and I don't know how you're going to feel about it. Way to tell the truth, Stefan. What are we learning? We're growing. We're changing. (laughs) He says, listen, I told Damon that I would help him open the tomb and get Catherine back. But I was lying. But that was a lie. And she's like, why would I care if you lied to your brother? And he's like, I know he's very persuasive and you two have bonded lately. She basically is like, you know, we went on one road trip. I'm going to help you no matter what. And Stefan's basically like, I don't want to be my brother's enemy, but I can't let him get Catherine out. So after Stefan just said Damon was the only liar between the two of them, he's been lying to him this whole episode. Fake ass. Which I think we all assume. The noted Stefan haters on this podcast. I will say when I first watched this, I was like, that's, you know what? That's nice of Stefan. And it's a win-win because then Damon leaves town with Catherine. They get to be happy together. Stefan gets to be happy with Elena. Everybody wins. But no, Stefan's not happy unless he's winning and Damon's losing. I was thinking it was a win-win, but I didn't think Stefan would ever allow it. Because I think Stefan is honestly scared if he lets Catherine out, then he'll dump Elena and end up with Catherine somehow. Well, he's going to have to address the Catherine thing if she comes out. Even if he knows that she compelled him and he is kind of over that, he's going to want to address it. The wounds are fresh in different ways than Damon's are. So then we cut to the grill at night. Ben is closing up and Anna is lurking very suspiciously. And for a second, it looks like Stephanie's new boyfriend was going to get killed. Yeah, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Every single person I have a crush on dies except Damon. And then he turns around and he's a vampire too. And I knew it. And Grace talked me out of it. I know I had to throw her off the scent because I knew we were going to learn by the end of the episode. And I wanted her to be surprised. So she was. (laughs) So they're both vampires. And from this scene, we know that they're like working together. And Ben's like, where's Noah? And Anna's like, he got obsessed with Elena. And now he's dead. The Salvatore brothers tortured and staked him. And Ben's like, you don't seem like that upset by it. And Anna's like, well, I told him not to get involved and he wasn't exactly an asset. Yeah, it seems like neither of these two are uh, super broken up about it. Because these two are a little bit of a couple, we see, because Anna's like, I'm on track. I'm going to get the journal. And Ben's like, well, I got the witch to go on a date with me. Yeah. And so he knows Bonnie's a witch. I guess all the vampires seem to know about witches. Maybe that's not that interesting. So Ben is using Bonnie and Anna is using Jeremy and they walk off into the street lamp together. And that's where we end our episode. Well, I have a question about, I have some questions about Ben who I'm obsessed with. I would love to answer them if I can. It seems that Noah and Anna knew Catherine. But so Ben went to the high school, but that doesn't mean necessarily that he's not old enough to also know Catherine. He could be like, have just gone through the high school and played football for a couple of years and moved around. Because Noah seemed like the youngest vampire in this group, just personality wise. Or maybe he was just obsessed with Catherine and that took over. Yeah, I think he was just obsessed with Catherine. But I, yeah, so I'm curious if Ben has been around or not, which is maybe not something you can answer, but. We'll know, we'll find out why Ben and Anna want the tomb opened. 
And so that'll answer questions about both their histories. It doesn't seem like they want it open because they want Catherine out. What's your theory about why Ben and Anna want to open the tomb? Banana. We can call them banana. (laughs) Why do you think banana want to open the tomb? (laughs) Well, my first thought is that they know some of the vampires in there. Like there are 26 other vampires. Yeah. It's not like Catherine's the only one who had a boyfriend. Just because Catherine's been the star out of this tomb so far doesn't mean that's the case for every single person. But it could also be, you know, maybe they have like descendants or something like, again, I don't know how old they are just because they know Catherine's in the tomb. And like, that's why the Salvatore brothers would want to open the tomb doesn't necessarily mean all that much. Like they could just know about the tomb from one of their family's journals. That's true. We don't know yet. It's getting comical that the Founders Council just knows nothing. I mean, there are now like six vampires in town. Yeah, they haven't found a single one of the vampires. The only reason they found Logan was because he snitched on himself. Yeah, and the only reason they found Lexi was because another vampire handed her to them. Yeah, because she was literally framed. It just seems that the Founders Council is of no concern to these vampires, and it shouldn't be. Yeah, clearly they're not a threat. At this point, the only thing that matters about the Founders Council is that they have Vervain so they can't be compelled. Anna spends a lot of time in the library. Does she just like, how does she get there? That's, I mean, that's a fair question. We haven't seen her, if you think about it, we haven't seen her outside in the daytime. Well, yeah, I guess in a library can be kind of dark if you sit in the right place. So we haven't seen her outside in the daytime. So we don't know if she has a daylight ring or not yet. Because we haven't seen Ben out in the daylight either. But at some point he must've been in the daylight because he was playing football and going to high school. That's a very logical jump you made. So that's my old brain, baby. Yeah, because he hasn't really mentioned much about Catherine. And I'm sorry, if I'm Catherine, I'd be compelling him too. If I had that option. If I'm compelling Noah, I'm compelling Ben. Do you think Ben, Anna, or Noah, do you think one of them turned Logan? Or do you think we don't know who turned Logan yet? No, I think there's like an alpha who's like leading this group. I don't think any of these have like the charisma to be an alpha. I know that alpha is not the right term. That's a werewolf term, but it's it's what I have in, in your lexicon. I think there's still someone else kind of really calling the shots. And what's your theory for who that would be or why they would be calling the shots? I I think there's someone else who like also cares about the tomb for some reason. Maybe it's for Catherine, but I don't know who that would be. Sure. Mr. Lockwood's been in the daytime. I don't know why I jumped to Mr. Lockwood because he's clearly not related. I'm thinking of like Founders Council somehow. I'm looking for a big twist. I mean, since all of these vampires came up like in a new episode before we knew them, like I'm not convinced we've met this alpha vampire that I'm imagining yet. So- But yeah, that's the end of this week's episode. Next week, we're going to see a lot more flashbacks and learn a lot more. I love that. Yeah, it's exciting. I love those big answer weeks. Yeah, we'll be back in the Civil War for a good time next week. So that's something to look forward to. But until then, remember, if you like this podcast or you like the Vampire Diaries, share with your friends, whether they watch the Vampire Diaries or they haven't. You might be surprised. More of your friends might have watched The Vampire Diaries than you think. Of course, as always, follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. We're posting a lot of great memes and stuff on there. We're having a lot of fun. And be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice. But that's all for today. So until next time, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. (laughs) 